Welcome back to Attack for 20, episode 14, talking about the ban list before Worlds 2022. I have with me uh, as a guest host, Train Martin, which is one of the members on uh, my newest team uh, called Runaways now. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, it was a... Uh, it was quite contentious, the discussion on what to name our team. It was. Uh, we thought way too hard and long about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, at one time, we were going to be an animal-based team name, but then <laughs> that got nixed. So today's episode, I wanted to kind of get, uh, Shane, your thoughts on the ban list as uh, Worlds is coming up within the next month. Uh, but before that, we, I wanted to re read a couple of reviews from the last couple of months on our podcast. Uh, remember, uh, you can always rate our podcast at rate this podcast slash A420 podcast. That's uh, rate this podcast slash A420 podcast. I'll put a link in the description. And basically, uh, a couple of people had wrote pretty nice reviews on Apple. Uh, so I'm just going to read them. Uh, Dory the Warrior from Canada says, I came across this podcast when Michael guessed it on Arsenal Pass. His insights on drafts, FI, and gaining plus ones began to open my eyes how I should be evaluating playstyles, cards, and general fab mechanics. Having listened to almost the whole show now, it's been a blast, and I feel like my gameplay has leveled up. Thanks to you both, and hope Singapore and Leal go well. And then another one from Frillor says, These guys are pros, and their content is clutch. I credit... My qualifying for nationals at a draft RTN on their advice. And the last one from Wenger says, Michael and Yanji have a really great way of breaking nebulous card concepts into things you can actually conceptualize. The value of pitching a red card as paying for a six-pack while getting two beers particularly connected for me. And this podcast is chocked full of really great ways to think about the game from turn to turn. If you want to be better at flesh and blood, this podcast will help you with questions you should be asking yourself while you're out there pitch stacking your way to victory. Uh, if the epi whole episode is too much of a commitment, then just force fi. All right, thank you so much, and uh, remember to rate this podcast. Okay, so now to get into our main topic, uh, there were some bans that happened. Uh, I think more than I initially thought that there was going to be. Really more? Uh, yeah, I guess I would agree with that, especially in the Blitz area. Mm -hmm. I I actually think that they did the minimal amount they could do in CC, which makes sense to my mind. Yeah, so I think uh, most people play CC, so let's just go over uh, that first. Classic Constructed, following changes are effective. Pulse of Eisenloft is banned. Now, I know that there was a lot of discussion on Twitter about how Crown of Seeds was the most busted card and that it had to go, but it looks like uh, LSS has taken the stance to instead ban Pulse of Eisenloft. And they wrote on their explanation that their philosophy towards using banned and suspended lists is to either stop something that they feel is degenerate or create negative play experiences uh, and other times it's just to manage the format. And I kind of view this banning as more similar to, you know how in some video games like League of Legends or something, they'll do like a buff nerf and they'll just adjust like the numbers a little bit. 
that's kind of how I view this ban. Uh, yeah, and I guess I don't think about that way. I'm just thinking they needed to touch something. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like we needed to spice up worlds in some way, even though they say it's not about finding, like, reshaping it to be the format. I, I do think that they needed something, and this was, like, an impactful, but not, like, oh, my gosh, why did you do this right before worlds kind of change. And so I think this, like, nails that that middle ground of, Old him's little powerful and they're going to change, you know, try to bring him down slightly, but then still keep everything where it is. And I think this was like a, the perfect like balance. I, I personally would have had different changes, but you know, uh, you know, LSS is doing things their way. And this, this is a great change in my mind. Cause I think old was a little bit, uh, overtuned. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I, I think the way that I view the the Pulse of Eisenloft ban as they don't really want to have a heavy hand in terms of the format, but you do run the risk in these card games that the format kind of gets solved. So I think no matter what format there is, there's always going to be the best one to, I don't know, three, four decks in the format. And particularly, like, the later the format goes on, the more kind of polarized it is. I remember in PT1 format, it was quite apparent that Briar, Olden, and Chain were just, like, for sure, like, the best ones. And then Prism is kind of like a counterpick to Oldham, uh, keeping that down. Uh, and then later in PT2, it was, like, also quite apparent that Starvo and Chain were... The two best decks and so i think overall they're not opposed to there being a best deck but i think that once you get to like super optimized lists essentially i think they wanted to give the players something to do in the month leading up to worlds i agree i see it i i use a friend used this analogy which i thought was pretty good is that in the starvo meta starvo was sitting on top of a mountain and you had like two people right below it, which were like chain and prism sort of kind of grasping at that that peak there. And it was a mountain for those guys where now it's more of a hill. And I feel like old Tim's not the king of the hill, but like everyone's kind of able to run up and knock him down a couple times. And nobody's like out of reach of that summit kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. So to go a little bit granular into what the change actually does for Oldham, because that's what we do on this podcast. We put numbers to things. On average, when Oldham is playing against like an aggro matchup, uh, you usually don't get to second cycle. So you only see the pulse of Eisenloft maybe like once per once per game. And there's basically two applications that Oldham usually uses it against aggro. It's very rare that they actually play it as a defense reaction. More likely, they'll use it as part of the Oldham ability to get both the Earth and the Ice Fuse. And so in this scenario, if you compare Pulse of Eisenloft to any other Ice card that you, that you would use to uh, react to Oldham react in that situation, you essentially gain two life from the card Pulse of Eisenloft because you also get to prevent two damage. So it's a plus two kind of inherently by itself uh, in that use case. And then the other use case is to get an Oaken Old fused. And in that scenario, if you were going to fuse Oaken Old, 
without Pulse of Eisenloft, you would need two cards to fuse with. So it ends up being at least a four-card hand. And so you get plus two on your Oak and Old, just like power gets plus two. And then assuming that the uh, effect always hits, you're trading the two cards that you're holding in your hand to fuse for two cards from your opponent's hand. Now, if you have an empty arsenal slot and you can arsenal one of those cards, then you're basically trading one card for two cards because you can access that card later, uh, either with Crown of Seeds or something similar. If you fuse it with a Pulse of Eisenloft, you actually don't lose any cards. So you're essentially trading zero cards for two cards, which is super powerful. And this is one of the strongest plays I think that Oldham has access to. Yeah, and I, I used to joke about this card because I actually called this at uh you know at Nats. I was with testing some folks and I lost to this uh on our Fi deck. Like just literally I could have it could have been an ice react or an earth react, and I would have won, but it couldn't have been both and win. And I, I joked as like Pulse is the best card that Oldham doesn't play. It just used and it's so powerful. So uh I think that you know, as you mentioned, like the ability to know that they're going to keep a card that's almost useless if they have to fuse with two cards because they're going to throw an oak and old and keep two cards and one goes in the arsenal one does nothing essentially besides the fuse which um that value then is much better on uh, you know our attacking side that's got a little bit more chip in or whatnot and no more three card fuses which i think is great yeah definitely uh i wanted to also spend some time talking about the cards that they didn't ban for oldham which most notably is Crown of Seeds. Um, there was a lot of people who were kind of clamoring for Crown of Seeds to get banned. That's kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know that you were one of the vocal ones on Twitter who were kind of a, a pushing a different agenda. Yeah. <laughs> we want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, like I, I'm actually surprised that so, so many people don't think about this. Um, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit, you know, spoiler in the Blitz area, but like the Mask, mask of Pouncing Lynx got land. They talked about how like they think about percentages and how much damage that is. Like, you know, the, the Stalagmite shield is just, it's a minimum of 11 block when you're facing a Rune Blade. Um, and that's on one equipment. That a value there is so massive. I mean, I, I, I love thinking that an old time could start the game at 51 health knowing that that shield's going to come in clutch. Um, and it's just so hard to play around. So yeah, I was definitely in the let's get rid of Stalagmite for the same reason they got rid of Pouncing Length, which is the value on one one piece of equipment was just a little too high. And nobody seemed to catch on to that, but I, I have no clue why, but that's just my head. The numbers make sense. Yeah, just to explain to the listeners uh, why Shane is saying that it blocks 11 against Runeblade. So usually Runeblade turns are pretty streamlined and most actually actually most aggro decks should be fairly streamlined in terms of how you design uh your turn cycles to go uh you don't really want to be leaving money on the table so to speak and leaving resources unused if you can avoid it uh each resource should usually convert to about a point of damage so losing so leaving an extra resource unused is kind of the same thing as getting one less damage uh, from how you're designing your deck. But most of the Runeblade turns also try to end on Rosetta Thorn, which is very strong, can be one resource for four damage. But when you 
put stalagmite into the mix when the rune blade is left with uh, one resource floating uh, to end their turn, and they're going to swing the Rosetta Thorn if you just block the Stalagmite on the attack prior and give them a Frostbite, then you're basically blocking whatever you blocked the attack for, plus you're stopping a four damage swing after the fact. Yeah, and it, it like, I know people are like, oh, you can play around it. There's definitely things you can do, but as you mentioned, you're you're not building your deck and even sideboarding in my mind to always say, I need to plan for this one specific you know turn every single time they have slack and if you do you're just losing damage every turn that you do it right if we talk about numbers like if i'm like okay i need to play around ice shield every turn then i'm leaving up two resources but then i'm leaving up a little bit of damage every turn in order to play around this and it's really sometimes just better to get them to use it uh and just get it out of the way as soon as possible so that you can like know you're home free at least a little bit so um yeah, I definitely was pushing for that thing to be looked at at least. Yeah, I think the stance, um, in my mind, what makes the most sense is that it'll probably be it'll it will probably be viewed as a problematic card in the future. But Oldham is so close to Living Legends that they probably, I don't know, don't see the need to to touch it up. I think for CC, Oldham is a little bit farther away. From hitting Living Legend, I think it's about halfway there right now since I last looked. Uh, but I think that their goal, maybe they will have some more changes when Dynasty comes out. But I, I don't think that they wanted to have a monumental shift. I don't think they wanted to take Oldham out of the format, but just uh, address it a little bit. And for the games that you end up getting the old him to one or two, uh, basically in those games, like you would have just killed the Oldham. And so they're kind of, a lot of the Oldham players that I know are trying to figure out what is the best way to build their deck moving forward. Um, and that alone should kind of shift how everybody else builds their deck in some way. Yeah. And uh, I would say, I, I agree with that. I think that an interesting thing that maybe they could do in the future is like, they have uh, the whale tied to Ultim. Maybe they also tie shields to these people that are supposed to be like using these specific shields. I don't know. That's a, just a thought that I had. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's just like their like signature. Yeah. Equipment. Yeah. If they come out with another elemental guardian, probably stalagmite will make a return. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um. For crown of seeds in particular, and this is something that we that. I plan to go over a little bit in more detail in our little educational segment, but Crown of Seeds, I don't think provides as much face value as uh, even Pulse of Eisenloft. I think Crown of Seeds lets you have like a lot more flexibility in terms of how you can optimally use each hand. But uh, I mean, like usually, you know, like when we're playing Fi into Oldham, if they're like using Crown of Seeds defensively every single turn, and like then, and then using yeah, and then using the other resource like rampart or whatever. Basically, they're just two blocking every turn, uh, and that's big gains for us. Yeah, I I think every old him actually was secretly saying please ban crown of seeds. Maybe they weren't, but I I in my mind as a five player, I'm thinking they did because it really was one of the least impactful. Bands I could have seen them doing, so I'm actually very happy they didn't do it. But um, I think you want to talk about like why it's considered maybe least impactful for our, for the listeners. Yeah, it. I think that it's not 
as impactful because it doesn't provide so like normally like a piece of equipment will provide some some sort of numerical advantage uh at face value so easiest example iron rot it just blocks one if you put it on your hero your hero has one more health and sometimes you can kind of finagle that one block to be worth more than one so for example if somebody attacks you with a snatch they're attacking for four your only options are to block two cards to prevent them from getting a hit trigger or if you block for one with your iron rot plus a card then basically that iron rot saves you uh, the card that you would have otherwise had to expend. So it's worth a little bit more than one in those situations. Um, it's for a card like Crown of Seeds, like no matter what, you have to put a card in your hand. Uh, you have to expend the card in your hand to pay for the ability. So it just doesn't, it doesn't like by itself provide anything. Now what it does let you do and uh, what olden players can kind of do that most of the other classes can't is Oldham's can basically arsenal whatever they want. So a big difference between Oldham and Bravo is that Bravo oftentimes cannot arsenal any card, and so many of their two-card hands become really awkward, where all they can really do is make a seismic surge and attack with a Nothos because they don't want to arsenal either of their these like blue attacks, right? And those are like the last cards in their hand. So it just like changes like the way that you play a little bit and it gives you a lot more options, which I think kind of is part of the reason why Oldham is better than Bravo. And I definitely think that hitting Crown of Seeds would have impacted Oldham at least quite, at least somewhat significantly because there's just way fewer hands that could be like really good. And I mean, like we've played, we've tested Oldham a bunch, like, you know, like all the times that you end up arsenaling, like, a thunderquake or like a winter's grasp yeah. or something it just it gives you the option to do that and to just play a lot more efficiently as a result yeah the funny thing is actually you say that like i wasn't considering crown of seeds like the from the olden player in that scenario like i'm i of course i play i don't play very much oldham so like i'm thinking from the other side like when they crown of seeds i'm like oh yes this is great but i didn't think about it like man it's so many bad cards in old him that can be like thrown together at one time that it's really nice still for them to be able to throw something into the arsenal knowing that they can cycle that card and prevent a damage just just to fix their hands essentially and doing that a lot more to help that consistency out so um man i now you say that i'm like man i i, I didn't think it was gonna be a big change if they banned crown seeds but that would be i can see that they would go to crown of providence and only be able to get that like once a game yeah though. you could only get it once a game um now I want to shift gears to Blitz, where I know a lot of people weren't so hot about Blitz being at Worlds. Five rounds of Blitz, same as CC. Uh, but Blitz has had quite a big shakeup as of the announcement. So just to go over that, Bloodsheath Skeleta is banned. Mask of the Pouncing Lynx is banned. Storm Striders is suspended until the next announcement. And then Sonata Arcanex moves to, from suspended to legal. And I kind of, let's just go uh, one by one. Uh, I guess let's start with Mask of the Pouncing Lynx, uh, mm -hmm. kind of on, on brand. We had been playing a combo file list, and I got to say, I don't think it's as busted as Viserai, but it's definitely very similar. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I was killing Kano's on turn zero. Um, like, I was literally saying either kill me on, my, like, my next, like, 
on my my official turn one if i'm going first or like the turn two uh, or like you're just gonna block the rest of the game it was it was kind of degenerate i don't disagree yeah and basically what you could do like since the life totals are so low you can always get either a salt the wound or a lava burst and just tack on an extra five damage onto your turn if you think about it if you're like average four card hand from phi deals i don't know 15 to 16 damage now it does 20 if you add a fifth card like you can get up to like 30 something uh if you mix in like art of wars it's honestly like i think this was a really good change um they definitely want to curate blitz i think to move away from this kind of like Oh, flip a coin, like, the game's just over in two turns. Yeah. It would have been really annoying. I think even even that, I think that was a big criticism, right, from a lot of folks for Blitz being there. It's like, we're going to have, like, three-minute games on stream, and people are going to be like, why are we watching this? And <laughs> I think now, I think now it's actually, they did what they, I think, were thinking about doing maybe with this, is that, like, Pouncing Links is no longer there. We'll get to the Stormstrider stuff, but, like, games are slightly longer now because of that. They're still not, like, incredibly long, but... The whole concept of like some of the best heroes is like you know now we're going to turn five six where i felt like it was like turn three in in the, in the past yeah definitely uh so pouncing links kind of obvious man blood treat skeleton a little bit less obvious man i was actually working on a little combo briar list prior to i i knew that they would hit links i had a feeling but I did not know that they would also hit Blitchy Skeleta. And the reason that they gave for it, I mean, makes a lot of sense. Uh, coupled with Vexing Quillhand, Blitchy Skeleta is just always worth four resources if you build your deck in a way that kind of utilizes that. So you play a non-attack action that costs two or more, plus you play an attack that costs two or more in the same turn. You can basically pop your gloves in your chest for like a little one-two punch, get two damage plus four resources, so six off of like those two pieces of equipment plus you get a block on your blood tree skeleton so you get eight from those two pieces of equipment which i think is definitely a little bit higher than they were really comfortable with um that being said i am kind of sad because these are all the decks that i was working on before uh they're targeting oh, you yeah i know <laughs> dude the same well, thing the same thing happened in cc before pt uh pt1 i was just like i was rolling people with viserai and everyone knew that Starro was like the the king of the hill, but I, I actually thought that Viserai had a pretty good matchup into Starro. And they just like, nope, like even though Viserai hadn't been like winning a lot, it's just like, we're going to ban this card. So, I mean, you could have waited until after Starro LLs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I agree. Even back then, like the, the concept, like Viz wasn't, was kind of crazy, but Starro was way crazier in my mind, no matter what biz could do even though if he'd like i think i think maybe even you did like you flip like 16 cards you could hit like three yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, it's a crazy so i agree with that um i do think four resources is overtuned what they, they're aiming for it seems like two on a body piece um i will say like it's a big hit not only for the resources but like the block value from skeleta and like the replacement is what the iron weave and i would love them just to make a a errata to make iron weave like it's i think what they attended maybe a little bit for blood skeleta, which is like an instant that you can get resources for. So like just, just tune iron weave to be an instant. And I think <laughs> I'd be happy. Yeah, definitely. Iron weave has a limitation that it is an action. Uh, you could, if it was an instant, there are some things that you could do like with, you could use it with creepers. Yeah. That you cannot currently do. 
Okay, so Ban Bloodsheath Skeleton. I don't think there were really any like Runeblade lists that really utilized Bloodsheath Skeleton on at least that were popularized prior to the ban list, but I guess it makes sense as a kind of preemptive move. Uh, Storm Strider Suspension is also a little bit. So this card particularly is not banned and is just suspended. And they said that they thought that Storm Striders is probably a balanced card, but they wanted it to kind of, I guess, get removed during this uh, shakeup because they thought that it led to some kind of like unsatisfactory uh, game patterns. Which, in my mind, just means that maybe in Dynasty there's going to be some uh, some anti-arcane damage, like some some more things that you can do to fight against arcane damage. Like right now, uh, basically the only cards that you can play are Steadfast and Oasis Respite. Mm -hmm. If they printed like a zero cost, that was Eight. like Oasis Respite, but it only blocks three, I think that would be a huge game changer. You're you're forgetting enchanting melody. Don't worry. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> true enchanting melody. I had a lot of uh, I have a history of telling people that card was bad, and then they're like, "No, but it's so good in Viserai." I was like, "Is it really?" The first time that's funny you mentioned that. The first time I saw it was actually at Nationals last year. I was playing Majin Bay in the calling mm -hmm. and he plays it on me and i'm like wait what's this do <laughs> and like sit there and read it yeah. and the hilarious part was i was playing briar at the time and yeah. i had i had a uh what was the sigil suffering <laughs> so he played it then attacked me and i sigil suffering so it just like negated that whole <laughs> that yeah, yeah. he was like oh that's really bad i'm like yeah i don't know if i play that but He's yeah. uh, it was it was a interesting interaction that I had. The only thing I can ever think of, it's like so enchanting melody like sticks in my head now for that exact reason. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, I think Stormstriders definitely Kano and Icelander were really strong in Blitz format. Uh, I would say that now Icelander is still like okay. I think um, Kano is definitely yeah. His game plan is very focused on. Uh, Storm Striders, whereas I think Icelander's game plan is not like so dependent on Storm Striders. The newer builds of Icelander also run like Enlightened Strike, so you can also run Snapdragon Scalers as a replacement to kind of just like amp your damage up a little bit. But I mean, I was actually I was surprised by this. This was the the surprise one that I did not expect. I I get why they did it. I feel like, as I mentioned before, like the the concept of trying to slow the game down because like Kano's could just roll you on turn zero, and I felt like Storm Striders made Icelander in Blitz insanely consistent, and yeah. so um, I I can see why they did it. I don't I do know that it like kills Kano in my mind, and as you said, Icelander can still pick it up, and I know the community's not too hot on this. I I saw many a uh, yeah. Kano stand that was uh not not too happy about you know the one spot which Kano was good. <laughs> Yeah, I think that honestly, for like Kano is, Kano is just kind of a design issue for Blitz because the life total totals are so low. Kano always has the potential to just like one shot you, basically as soon as the game starts. So until they print more things that kind of I think pr protect yourself against arcane, like for example, if they printed more spell void on yeah. armor. I think that could be like a a big thing. I think if they, uh, like I said, made like a version of Oasis Respite that didn't cost any resources. Um, 
So I think they think that the card Storm Strike itself isn't necessarily degenerate, but not legal uh, until the next span and suspended announcement, at least. And then they brought back Sonata Arcanix. I was actually quite confused at the time when why they banned Sonata Arcanix, but not um, Bloodsheet Skeleta. And I think they... I think it was just like from backlash of people kind of getting like Visorai combo killed. But I think the only deck that really wanted to play Sonata Arcanix was Briar, and Briar was just doing it to kind of get like half an embodiment token and a point of damage 70% of the time. Yeah, I don't see this being huge. I mean, you're still going to have those gambler Briars that are going to run, you know, Tome of the Arc Knight and Sonata Arcanix and still just try to go. Um, I think that's going to be seen um and it's very strong when it hits but i think i know i i'm actually okay with this because sonata never really in my mind like was super broken without the blood sheath combo so um i i, I have no problem with this i agree with you that it, maybe before it was just a hey everyone's it's really hot topic let's uh let's just suspend it for now and bring it back in a little bit yeah that makes sense so i think uh i posted on twitter immediately after the ban list came out Apparently, my my tweet is getting a lot of traction. I heard on uh, on Tarek, uh, and I think Tarek, Brendan, and Yuki did like a Twitter Spaces, and they kept talking about my tier list, and I put <laughs> that up kind of just like as a knee jerk reaction, half as like a joke, but also like kind of serious, like what I thought at the time. Um, I do think that Blitz is not as open as people think it might be, but that it's definitely. The nicest part about Blitz is that even if your deck is disadvantaged in a lot of scenarios, you just have the opportunity to just hit like a crazy hand and win the unfavorable matchups. Yeah, I liked your original tier list that had aside the very bottom and then had to make a very quick uh, change from from the bottom, close to the top now, I believe. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I moved Kasai from the very bottom of the list to A, to A tier. I I think Kasai has still has quite a few matchup deficiencies in Blitz, but I think that one area that she does do well in is this kind of like value based uh, gameplay, which if other people are going to be trying to play. Like uh, like Oldham, like Dorinthia, uh, if they're trying to play Bravo, you know, like heroes that don't necessarily like have super high like ceilings of damage, but just try to like get steady advantages. I think Kasai's really good into those. Yeah, I think she's. I I love Kasai. Um, I would say I think she's the most one of the most consistent damage wise per turn. Um, and then she has the ability, as you mentioned, to just have that killer hand that then if she's hit a couple times, you know, blood on her hands or even like, uh, whatever, I forget her name of her mentor, but that card just busted and it just gets, get you back in the game and you're able to do this value concept of like, Hey, if they block with a card, I get plus one and I get plus one here for this being in the arsenal and then I can give it go again and get plus on the next attack for free. Um, a lot of value there. And then also that back end of a combo kill, um, which is great with a fridge. So like she has all the makings of being all like right there. Yeah. I think the biggest weakness for Kasai currently is that I think she struck, she struggles a little bit 
when heroes kind of put the damage up front very fast. So I, I know that Kasai has a couple issues playing against Chain. Uh, and also, like, the newer Olden builds in Blitz, now that Crown of Seeds is no longer legal in Blitz since the... Not this banner and restrict announcement, but the last one. A lot of Oldhams are kind of taking on this, like, very super high, aggressive, disruptive play style. And Kasai can also find it, like, a little bit tough, I think, to kind of juggle dealing with that versus, like, the go-wide aggro. Yep. Like, before, she really has... Like a lot of turns to keep like generating value with Valiant Dynamo. Completely agreed, but I th that's why I think that's what's good about Blitz is that, as you said, it's not wide open, but there's definitely a little bit. Uh, yeah, like any any here, I've been playing. I've been playing some Reinar, played some Levia. It's just like, I don't think those are the best heroes, but you can still do some crazy things mm -hmm. once in a while. Uh, okay, so. Now, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit. Uh, we brought this topic up somewhat when we were talking about Crown of Seeds, but the kind of educational little bit for today I want to talk about is hand scaling is what I'm calling it. So what is your first card worth, your second card, third card, fourth card, fifth card, etc. in your hand? And this matters most when you're kind of deciding how many cards you want to block with. And this value is kind of different for each hero. So let's just take the CC heroes for as an example. Uh, Oldham, one card, what can he do? He can swing hammer. So it's worth four, right? With a second card, oftentimes, Oldhams don't really want to just like throw Oaken Old. Uh, if they have a Tunic, then they can throw a Choke Slam. Or Endless Winner, which is pretty decent. And then it becomes a two-card two card eight with a hit trigger, uh, which is fairly strong, but also requires a Tunic. Otherwise, most of the time, you're just throwing the hammer and then arsenaling a card, right? So if you don't have an empty arsenal and you don't have something you can play, then your two-card hand essentially is like nothing. Uh, Three-card is kind of where Guardian really takes off. So you can go pitch two cards, play a Spinal Crush. You get a lot of implied value against aggro decks. You can play something like a Pummel onto a Choke Slam. You can, or sorry, not Pummel onto Choke Slam. That's uh, four cards. You can uh, play an attack with Go Again. So you can, like, if you're, I know some old hymns are playing Zealous Belting. So you can go, like, Zealous Belting into Sledge or into a Winter's Whale. You can do things like play a red glacial. And so like the it like scales up a lot better. So I if the second card is worth like an arsenal and like no extra damage, the third card is worth, I think, at least 10. And if you like throw a spinal against the aggro player, I think the spinal is worth maybe like 12, like 11 to 12. Uh, because of uh, implied like damage, like when they block there and they're also doing less damage to you on the next turn. Uh, other three card hands, you can throw like a fused oaken. You kind of get the idea. On the fourth card, actually, unless you have a pummel, it doesn't scale that much better. Uh, the only notable four card hand that Oldham has that's really strong is with a tunic, and you can go like pitch three cards, pulverize. And that is probably one of the strongest turns in the entire game. But 
uh, is not comparatively. Like right. I would I would say that that's like there's like scaling that like you mentioned like that concept of a three card uh, CNC pummel off a tunic and then mm-hmm. like the the four card tunic pulverize like it scales up like these these are the value like the sweet spots right the way yeah. you build your deck to try to operate. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, where this comes into play uh, for scaling is uh, there's like two things I think that it matters most for. One is deciding uh, whether or not to arsenal. So when you arsenal, you essentially add a card. So then it becomes easier to hit like that scaling point. So a lot of times uh, when what the Guardian is trying to do, maybe they'll like attack with their hammer on the two card hand because they've been because they block two cards and then they arsenal the Spinal Crush. And then the next turn, they can just like also again block two cards and then hit their sweet spot, or they can arsenal like the command and conquer or the pummel uh, and get ready for like when they hit their thirteen encounter to do like CNC pummel. And this is like really important because when you're like attacking into a hero that is like blocking, you also kind of have to understand what their sweet spots are. So. Uh, actually, during our testing for Phi, I at one point tried to play Mask of Momentum into Oldham. And the basic concept for why Mask of Momentum is really good into aggro matchups is that aggro decks traditionally scale best off of their last cards. So again, to do the example, so Phi on a one-card hand, best one-card hand, throw Snatch, great. Mediocre one card hand, you throw like a head jab. You throw just three damage. Please just headlong or something. Yeah, yeah. You just you. It's like between three to four damage usually. On your two card hand, you can do seven plus throw in the mass trigger, which is fairly strong. You can go like uh, you can go like a zero for three, string your weapon, attack with your phoenix flame. You throw in a mass trigger on your phoenix flame. That's like pretty good. It's seven. On your like your four card on your three card hands, you. It basically just depends like what other card that you have. Like you you can't really get to uh another mask trigger. Like you can't get to like six chain links. Uh on four cards you can if you play either like Kodachi's with double strike, then you can get to a sixth chain link. So you can threaten mask twice. Uh you can uh more easily like belittle. You can you can do belittle, grab the minnows and art of war. Like these things all like function off of basically four card hands right and so when you're playing an aggro mirror like why mask of momentum is so good into that matchup is because when you strip the other aggro players fourth card then when they when the briar goes channel mount heroic then they only have one attack available if you strip their second card then they only have maybe they only just play channel mount heroic like you're you're saving yourself a lot of damage by ripping their uh fourth and third card respectively a lot of the play patterns against Oldham, if they get to have an arsenal, you need to strip three cards from them to like stop their power turn, which is honestly just like very unlikely, you know? Yeah, or they had a bad hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they just yeah, yeah, they just have a hand that doesn't scale at all. Yeah. So I think that's like something to keep in mind. Um and actually is like one of the reasons why I think it's like really beneficial, even if you don't plan on playing a lot of different decks long term, to just like try at least all the heroes out. Um, it's pretty easy now, especially that you can play on Talishar. You can just like queue up a game. Let's say you don't play uh, you don't play Runeblade, just queue up a game with Briar. 
queue up a game with Dorinthia or something and just kind of get a feel for how your hands scale. Like, is it really awkward if you only have like a two card hand with Dorinthia? Like, usually it's pretty awkward. Like, all you can do is just like throw your weapon and then like you don't like really threaten anything, you know? You at most threaten six. Uh, whereas like if you got like a four card hand, then you can like start off with something that's very threatening, like a warrior's valor, and then have like backup for it. And these are the things that you kind of get a feel for when, so then when it comes to like attacking your opponent and then you see like your opponent blocking, then you can get an idea for, okay, like what is actually coming back to me? And you, and you can like better like read like what they have, right? Yeah, I, I think even to maybe to dumb this down to my level even, like the concept of like when you're playing aggro, this is why people are like, oh, no blocks, right? Because your hand scales so well that you're like, the value in me blocking here, losing that one card or that two card, it's just, it's just not there because I do more damage with my full hand. So you're finding that balance of, hey, how much damage can I take? How much can I return? And in an aggro mirror, like you're like, oh, I, this whole hand's really great. But when you're facing old hammer guard, you're seeing like, Oh, they'll block a card or two. And you're like, oh, this is depending on how many cards they started with. They're like, oh, they had an arsenal. Okay, they can block two cards, throw that spinal. And they feel great about that. So I, I think the advice of like playing other heroes and understanding that sweet spot is is very good. Um, especially when you get to the levels where you're like, hey, oh man, what like I'm at five facing an old him and they keep even as I as I just used, they keep an arsenal plus two cards. It's like I'm getting spinaled. Like this is or CNC pummel turn it, it's tunic up next like you can like evaluating and decide if you know if you're going to need to push this turn in order to get that extra card because like that's my concept is like how can if i'm getting into that deep scenario i'm like how can i get that last card am i going to be able to threaten lethal to where i pull that last card and it just that's so detrimental to their turns that it's like knowing when to push and when to be like oh maybe i should put some shields up or know that i need to next turn kind of thing yeah, definitely. I think the the more that you play uh, all the different decks, the more you just kind of get like a feel for it. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting the way that they, the Alice has kind of like designed this game so that different heroes scale differently. Uh, it kind of keeps you on your toes. You have to like, you can't just, it's not like a one size fits all kind of thing. Yeah, that armor though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or they can block 11 with their shield. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of the episode that I had planned. Shane, did you want to, did you have anything that you wanted to talk about? No, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I hope we've educated at least some people on that stalagmite. Maybe we'll start getting some Twitter rally behind yeah, yeah, it. Got, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag ban stalagmite. <laughs> or uh, we'll just get hate for it. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, this weekend, actually, like the next couple of weekends, I'm going to be traveling to like a bunch of battle hardens. Uh, so hopefully we'll have some updates. It's kind of an interesting time to be making content because it's like the calm before the storm. So everybody, I think, is just preparing for worlds. And so I'll try to keep everyone kind of updated as best I can. All right. Thanks, Shane. And I'll see you guys on the next one.